Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 215. Today's guest is Adrienne Truscott. She is a performance artist slash comedian slash awesome. She is doing a show. It's been running for quite a while. She says how long? I want to say a couple years. It's called Asking For It, stand-up comedy uh, about rape that she does with no pants on. Uh, I That sounds terrible. Uh, I feel like I just said it in a very dismissive way, which is not my intent. Um, I saw the show with my sister, my beloved sister, Catherine, at Joe's Pub uh, a couple months ago, and it was super psyched to talk to her today. I should check in with you. Uh, did I mention the date? Uh, if you are a regular listener, it is November 7th. If you are a patron from my Patreon page, you hear this on the evening of November 4th. I have a cough. Here it comes. <coughs> Um, people, patrons, patrons, uh, just so you know what that is, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Uh, you can see links to it on my website and whatnot. And these are people who, uh, for a small monthly pledge have early access to podcasts. They got discount tickets, discount merch from my store. It's so funny that I have merch and tickets to shows and stuff, but that's how it is now. My show, the oh, let me, before I get too carried away. So you can contribute as little as a dollar a month, all the way up to however many dollars a month you would like to contribute. Um, you'll be supporting my work, and I'll be sharing with you behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, we can communicate differently than you might otherwise. Uh, like I said, early podcasts, early vlogs, maybe. I'm trying to figure out how vlogging is going to work for me. Uh, yeah, so that's that. I'd love your support. If you don't want to support me, that's fine too. Uh, this podcast will continue to be free, as will well, everything I put out on YouTube and my funny antics on social media <laughs> at Michael Heron pretty much everywhere. My name is Michael Heron. I am a composer and a performer based in New York City. I just did a show last week at Dixon Place for three nights. It was called The Animal Show. It was the result of my residency. I was an artisan residence at Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary, which is a miraculous place. Lots of animals. It's beautiful. The show was great. I had three nights of this show and people came and I thank all of those people. Um, among the guests were Sandra Bernhard. Uh, I was super excited she came as well and uh, that's a lot of stuff. So I have plans to move forward with the show and do some other stuff with it, uh, traveling with it, going to some other sanctuaries, and uh, just to tuck back on that thing with the Patreon. Uh, people who support me on Patreon really will be helping me during this time. I hope to take the whole summer off from teaching and just create new work, new music at sanctuaries. I will work with animals at places all over the country and... Yeah, I'm super excited about that. So, excuse me, please forgive the cold. It's not a cold, it's just a cough. I feel really strange. I have a ton of vlogs since I last talked to you. Um, Michael Heron, no, 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 it's youtube.com. I think it's slash MikeyPod, actually. Uh, you can find me pretty easily on there. Okay, I feel so funny. I haven't done a podcast in a long time. You know, when when... Showtime is coming up. It's a very challenging time for me. I'm new at being a solo artist. I'm new at performing original work. This was only my second show. And I get 
fucking freaked out. <laughs> I don't know how to handle any of it. And I take a lot of naps. I do a lot of like just wheel spinning in my head about how terrible and stupid it is that I'm doing this. And But then everything turned out okay. But I think that's why the podcast faded away for a while. It's back. I'm back on track and going to do some weekly podcasts. And I, man, I've been talking enough. You know where to find me. MichaelHeron.com is my main website. You're probably listening to this on MikeyPod.com or in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher of choice. I've got another cough coming. Sorry, guys. <coughs> and um, yeah, at Michael Heron on all the other places. And uh, let's do some music and then we'll get into this interview. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance. There was some background noise uh, that you're going to hear during this interview. I'm going to work hard to filter it out. Uh, you'll probably still hear it. And I apologize. I really enjoyed talking with Adrian. So uh, I, I wanted to share this interview in spite of the noise. So let's listen to a track from Tycho, shall we? This is from their latest album, Epic. Is that how you spell it? Say it? E-P-O-C-H? Epic? I think that's right. Uh, this track is called Horizon.
Welcome to the show, Adrienne. Thanks for having me. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you, and I feel slightly unprepared, although I did see your show at uh, Joe's Pub, I guess a few weeks ago, Uh huh. Um, and loved it. Uh, my sister actually loves the show, and she was like, come, you're coming to this. Wow. So uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the show is called Asking For It. Maybe we should throw a little background just about what the show is before we go into anything else. So can, do you have like an elevator pitch or whatever about the show? Yeah, sometimes um, the whole title feels like an elevator pitch. It's called, like the full weird title is called Adrian Truscott's Asking For It, a one lady rape about comedy starring her pussy and little else. (laughs) Ta-da! That really does like sum it up, right? It sums up a lot, right? Um, Yeah. So I think, and in that, I was trying to convey that like, I'm going to do an hour of stand-up about you know, basically the loaded rape culture. And, um, but it's going to be like light on its feet and super provocative. And, you know, I perform it, um, wearing no pants or knickers. I wear shoes and I wear a jacket. Yeah. The, so there are a couple of things. One is to me, it, it, it's definitely a stand up feeling show, but it's got definite, uh, performance art aspects to it would you i sometimes i feel like the term performance art is loaded for some people but does that fit for you yes um that's definitely where i come from um but within that i've been doing like versions of comedy whether it's funny songwriting and music or um you know all, all sorts of like sort of cabaret weird different stuff that's always been humorous um, I had always wanted to try stand up and this idea hit me like probably more from my performance already background of like, I wonder if you could do an hour of stand up about rape to be like the most weird confronting comedy show ever. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I mean, it sort of cracks me up that I, you know, I, because I come from this performance already background, I didn't have a practice of like going to open mics. Like I did cabaret spots and I did full length theater shows and stuff, but actually just doing stand up was something I desperately wanted to do and was terrified of. Um, but funnily, like I didn't really start by trying out normal ish material at open mics. I just jumped into like, can I write an hour of rape jokes? <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, and some of it was to go, I guess, um, oh, I don't know. It was a really genuine pursuit of just like, I wonder if you could make something funny enough that you could slip in some kind of radical thought processes about such a heavy topic and still have a room, have a room like uh, paying attention and on your side. Yeah. So do, do you feel like your uh, inexperience at open mics and that type of thing was uh, a benefit or did, are, are you um, pleased that you didn't have that sort of comedy background to draw from to like, it seems like it, you come from a sort of fresh perspective. Well, I think that um, maybe coming from like a more theatery background and making work that was like evening length work probably helped me make a show that was like structurally coherent from start to finish Mm -hmm. just like random rape jokes for an hour. Like there's, I think, I hope 
there's more going on in the show in the arc of it than, than just jokes. Um, and I think that was probably a huge benefit since I was tackling a, a form that was new and kind of fucked up material. But I third and I, you know, I've always watched and paid attention to tons of comedy and I certainly doubled down on that as I was making it. Um, so, you know, I did have, I had experience writing jokes, but, um, but I feel like I, I have incredible respect for the like night after night after night, like open mic standing up to get the joke right, which I didn't really have that experience. Yeah. Even as I was making it, I got closer to that. But, um, so I think it was probably helpful in that it made for a coherent show, but I, you know, I certainly early reviews that like liked the show were like, you know, she plays that she's new to stand up and that's apparent. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. bastards. <laughs> well, that's all right. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was watching some uh, other interviews with you in getting ready for this. And there was one I was on, I, I'm assuming it was an Australian TV station, yep. but you, you talk pretty clearly about being, uh, I don't know if infuriated was your word, but the infuriated about rape and the way our culture is in, in putting that into a comedic and some sometimes cavalier feeling setting. Yeah. What was that like? Was there, did you ever feel like you were betraying that, uh, anger that you had? I don't know if that's the right words for what I'm trying to ask, but does that make any sense? I think, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Uh, not at all. I think um, I feel like I'm one of those people that thinks like co- comedy and humor is usually one of the best and most powerful and smartest ways to talk about anything. Um, so, uh, and I think sometimes if I say something funny, it it can come from anger about the world. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm a real angry person, but you know, I feel like when I watch political stuff that seems totally inane to me, sometimes that the way I express my um, sort of disbelief about it is wittily, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. and, you know, clearly I wouldn't put myself in this canon, but there's a long history of comics, you know, talking about the most fucked up stuff in our culture in hilarious ways and making people listen in a way they might not have listened in any other, under any other circumstances. Like Richard Pryor's the first go-to is like, he was, you know, a black man in the seventies talking about race to largely white audiences originally. Um, And in some ways he wouldn't have been able to get away with saying some of the things he said if he wasn't sort of couching it with humor. Yeah. It seems, you know? Yeah. I can say this. It was certainly clear to me that I could probably peg the number of people in the very small audience in a small basement somewhere on the Lower East Side if I was just going to rail about rape and how terrible it is without any comedy attached to it. And I was really interested in, like, how could I try to make this fly in as mainstream venues as possible? Um I mean, part of it, it's not just because I was like some social do-gooder that wants to like preach about the evils of rape. I also was really intrigued as someone who 
writes jokes and makes work to go like, can I, could I pull this off? Like, this is a kind of tall order to see if I could write something carefully enough that I could get people into a room and then laugh and stay on my side while doing this really weird material. So part of it was like that that was just a really interesting kind of artistic experiment to me. Uh, one of the things that that I got out of your show, I, I write sort of performance art music stuff and I'm working on a show right now about uh, animal rights, like that's sort of a general way. Uh -huh. And I really left your show realizing like, oh, I have to have fun with this thing that really pisses me off yeah. for the show to be good. So it was, it was a really like, of, among the things I took from your show, there was this great awareness of, of that. So thank you. Oh, and uh, yeah. Um, and also, um, the, the idea of, uh, it, uh, I, I totally lost track of what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, the, the evolution of your show, the uh, way, uh, the, cause I saw it with my sister who, and a friend of hers who had seen it a couple times before. And the comments that they both made were, oh, there's so many new things and things that they hadn't, that w had been left out or changed. Uh, it's it's interesting to me that that the show is continuing to evolve, and it it, it does it, it. I obviously you're happy with that because that's how you're doing it. Is it what you set out to do? Did you intend for it to be a sort of malleable like that? No, not at all. Um, I really like. I felt really good about what I was making. Like any, so many people I mentioned it to were understandably like, "That doesn't sound like the best idea," because <laughs> I was like. I'm going to do it not wearing pants. And they're like, right. Okay. Um, but I, I did it the first time I did it at Edinburgh fringe. Cause I know it well. And I felt like it was a little bit of like doing it in the belly of the beast. Um, but I was really, I was making it, I was kind of writing it before I actually acknowledged I was making it. And then I realized I was making it and writing it. And it was just stuff that I had thought about over the years. And, um, and then the Daniel Tosh thing blew up. Right. And I, at that point probably had like 20 minutes to half an hour of material I was playing around with. And then it just kind of went like when I just saw how quickly that conversation multiplied online, I was like, fuck, I should make this right now. And like, Within a week or so, I had paid my registration fee at with Edinburgh Fringe and like decided I was doing it and found a venue. And then I, then I was a little bit like, oh my god, I have to finish this and it has to be good or I'm going to be slaughtered. So uh. I didn't in any way start writing the show with anything to do with like rape jokes in particular and or Daniel Tosh. It was really about other stuff. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is like a gold mine. This is going to totally lodge the show in the context of comedy, which is what I'm doing anyway. Like I had just happened to decide that stand up was going to be an interesting vehicle for this material. And then that happened. And that definitely gave like when I opened the show, you know, it gave context to the show that um, was really immediate. And I just thought like, Either this will bomb horribly or maybe I'll pull it off and it'll have like 
a, and it'll like, you know, hit a nerve and maybe have like a six, six month to a year tour potential. And then like the zeitgeistness of it will be over and nobody will want to hear about Daniel Tosh, rape jokes, me or anything else. Cause everyone will be sick of it. But it, it's still rolling. Like it's been, uh, it's so two, rolling. two years. Is that right? Three years, three years. Wow. Yeah, I, I did the first time I did it was in August of 2013. Um, so the bonus is that having done an hour of stand up for the last three years, I think I'm a much better stand up now. Uh, uh-huh. And I do have material that's not great. <laughs> uh, thank God. Um, but kind of just when I felt like, oh, okay, I think we're getting to this place where, um, you know, this show and this material like around the sort of two year mark, you know, part of it had just changed with the kind of rewrites any show would get. And some of it was topical, but I remember I was doing the show in Philadelphia, uh, on the same night that Hannibal Barrett dropped his Cosby material in that Mm. way that got heard a whole new way. Um, and I started putting a, photo of Cosby up on my in my little set design right I feel like that was the moment that I was like oh my god I'm never gonna run out of material for this show like the Cosby thing in particular was weird because it was like the flip side of like you know sort of railing about you know there's a section of my show that's based on the Tosh thing that kind of isn't so much like hey, guys, don't make rape jokes. It's more like, hey, just do better ones. Like, Mm. don't do lazy ones. And I'm not mad at you saying a rape joke. I'm mad at you for doing a shitty, lazy rape joke. Um, But then suddenly with the Cosby thing, it totally flipped it to like, well, here's a guy who never does blue material, but maybe be careful of him. As opposed to, you know, like I never would lay blame on any comic who does like what I would call kind of a gnarly, gross rape joke as though that were a first person experience. But I think, you know, some of the anger towards male comics who do a certain kind of rapey material is like that you're that somehow they're participating in the perpetuation of some fucked up views. Um, and then I, it was just sort of fascinating to me that in the midst of that conversation, along came, you know, the dad, the iconic dad of comedy was wagging his finger at anybody who misbehaved. And then meanwhile, was a monster. So just like the, the conversation about comedy and material kept like developing. And then, and, you know, I kind of jokingly now say I've never been um, more disturbed by my job security, which is that every time I go to do the show and I think it might be stale, there's like a new, you know, some new current events to write about. <laughs> yeah. I, that like that hit me when you said that uh, a couple of minutes ago, just that idea that there's never going to be, you're never going to run out of material. Like that's yeah. really heavy. Like when you think about what that means, like that it's that commonplace and, the, and there, and the way we handle rape in our society is so darkly, I don't even want to say comedic, but you know, like it's so ridiculous. Some of the things that are happening, yeah, uh, 
yeah, it's heavy. It's really heavy. <laughs> like something about I, that perspective. I, and go ahead. I have a sense of humor about it, and I and I of course like always make sure that I stay um, respectful of the topic and of myself and um, all of the feelings that accompany the topic of rape. But you know, as a comic or whatever performer writer, there are moments that feel. Um, I won't say I totally have to catch myself, but you know, it's like, oh shit, I'm doing the show again. I wish I had some new material. Oh, awesome, Brock Turner. You know, like as a as a writer, you you have the moment of being like stoked that some new material came your way, and then you're like, oh, except it's not just material. That's real, and that's fucking awful. So yeah, at least I have an opportunity to like, you know have a mic and a voice to say a little something about it. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why something about that in, in our conversation really hit me hard, yeah. you know, like in a, and just in a observant, like dark way. Sorry. I think I just interrupted you again. That's okay. I can't. It's fine. Sorry. I've talked to <laughs> Oh no, it's cool. I'm curious also about you. It sounds like you, you set your date at Edinburgh and then wrote the show is that a typical uh, part of your process to sort of set those deadlines and then work toward them like that yeah it's probably part of why I can't I can't get myself onto the um rhythm of going to open mics is because I'm definitely one of those per- people who works with much better with a deadline so I yeah. kind of say yes to anything anyone asks me to do performance wise because then I know I'll make whatever I have to make for it um yeah, like I had been, I had been working on it, but I hadn't. I think it would have taken me a lot longer to finish it and to confidently put it out there if I hadn't kind of had this instinct that, like, if you if I do this show right now, it could get a lot of attention and make its point more loudly and more quickly than if I miss mm-hmm. than if I miss this moment. Uh, having those sort of deadlines, is it? that type of thing helps me get out from under uh, like inner critics, you know, is that for you? Like the panic sort of starts overriding my perception of my own work. Yeah. Is that true for you as well? A little bit. Yeah. I feel like I also have like a sort of like fight or flight survival mode thing. So, (laughs) yeah. So I feel like, um, thank God now I'm, I'm like mature enough. To to have, <laughs> to have confidence in that mechanism and to be like, that is part of how I work. I know that like my brain will go along at a certain pace that I'm interested in and I hope is working well and it'll have its doubts here and there and question it and I'll question what I'm doing. But I also feel like I know by now that when I have a deadline, some deeper part of my brain kicks in to make sure I get the job done and I really like that part of my brain, how it works. I feel like that's when it actually sharpens in terms of like concepts and language and stuff. Like when I'm under the gun, I feel my whole brain sharpen, which is probably problematic in like therapy terms, but there you have it. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I love talking to people about that type of process thing. Oh, like when you have the deadline, there is something about where like, yeah, the panic sort of lets you know you don't have any time to self-doubt and it just makes me productive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool thing. 
yeah. it's cool. Like it's terrifying for me, but it's also very cool that no, like, well, at least <laughs> I'm getting something done. And like, yeah. 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 So there are a couple more uh, performances coming up of, uh, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got, do you, I've got them right here. You want me to just read them off or you sure. want to tell me about them? Uh, so it's at the pit, the people's improv theater on October 3rd. Yeah. Um, or is it, oh, I see. Okay. I think you better tell me cause now I'm misunderstanding my dates here. It's, um, it's at the pit on the October 3rd, 4th and 5th. And again on the 24th of October. Um, so that's the times to see it this month. And then it's sort of in like extended residence at Joe's pub. Um, so there's another one in December 1st, but, um, oh, I didn't know it was, uh, like an extended residence there. That's so cool. Yeah. It's that sort of a new development, but we just sort of agreed that until it does feel sort of stale or something to either them or me, then I'll just do it on a sort of six to eight weeky kind of, um, schedule, uh, which is great, but it's, it's also really fun for me I, I feel very um I don't know what the word is honored or like happy and grateful when like a, a, a venue that's explicitly a comedy venue asks me to do it because I was really kind of in like a, a meta performance arty way I when I was first making it I was like it's comedy it's comedy it's comedy what am I I'm a comedian um because I felt like it was going to get called sort of feminist performance art and then it would be sort of stuck in a corner. And I really wanted my show to be heard on its, on terms of like of standup um, and, and be heard in the community of standup, I guess. So while um, sometimes it has terrified me to be, to do the show at a comedy club, I've done, I've done the show's, in a lot of ways, much more at comedy festivals and clubs than I had like in any sort of theater. Uh, do you feel uh, satisfied with the audience you found with the show? Yeah, it's, I get a really, really diverse audience. Um, I would say it's not, a, it's not always like racially diverse or ethnically mm -hmm. diverse. Um, but people come to my shows for a lot of different reasons. Like I know obviously some people, just come from the curiosity of the topic and its presentation. Some people come like some women, young and old have come like so psyched to hear a lady like on a mic say a bunch of shit that they also want to say. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I see, you know, young or old women or, or men in the audience with arms crossed, like they're not going to let me get away with this. Um, I definitely have never done a show where I don't have a few guys by themselves in the front row um, with an eye line that's pretty clear that they didn't necessarily come for the jokes. Wow. <laughs> um, I love when they're there. Like, I, I've never, you know, I, I, the point of the show was not to, like, just do a bunch of jokes that I was already felt sure would go over in a small group of people that already agree with me. Um, and it's a funny one. Like, I mean, I, you know, and so I, I chose, I chose my costume or lack thereof very, um, deliberately partly so that we sort of, the costume represents the area of trespass we're talking about and right. also sell tickets. 
because I was like, I want a room filled with everybody. Um, And, you know, I always sort of acknowledge the guys at the front and make them feel welcome. Um, You know, there's a lot of ways in our culture to (laughs) watch pussy without having to listen to an hour of feminist comedy. (laughs) Do you... have you ever had a sense that you won those guys over to your point of view in any way? Yeah. I've had so many great conversations um, with a lot of, well, for one thing, a lot of young male comics who uh, have given me great feedback. Um, I have I had lots of conversations with those other more nervous guys at the front Um you know, sometimes I have to kind of handle them, uh, but there's never been any trouble. I get heckled once in a while, but not that much because actually, you know, the audience feels much more vulnerable vulnerable about my nudity and what I'm about to say than I do. Because, of course, I've thought it all through. Um, but, you know, it's funny because, like, there's... I do get that question a lot, of course, of like what kind of audience comes and everything and, and is it okay? And, you know, or have I ever felt uncomfortable? And I never feel uncomfortable. Um, I always feel really powerful and pretty much always have a really great time with the show. Like, of course I've had shows like any performer that feel hard or like a slog or like, it wasn't like everyone got on the train and then we like left the station and it was all perfect from there. Like it, I, it's definitely a show that has an up and down rhythm because some of the sh- punchlines are pretty heavy. Yeah. But there's a lot in the show. I think, you know, that I, like I'm aware of that. So then there's that one of those punchlines will be followed by like an upbeat song. <laughs> um, right. But it's funny because I feel like I get the question and it wasn't until I was asked it that I also thought to myself, but wouldn't any comic have more fun in a room that's really mixed? You know, like I just feel like there's more electricity in an audience when there's people from a lot of with a lot of different views. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting that the um, the pantsless aspect, as you're talking about it, made me realize what you said something about. Uh, the audience feeling vulnerable mm-hmm. because of that. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, and maybe it's because I'm a male, yeah. that I, that in a way I felt like there was a really interesting like power shift in the dynamic. I, I don't even know how to say this. Like something about you're just being pantsless. Yeah. Put like, changed like a dynamic of power in a way. Yeah. So that I was like, I don't know, like remembering my place for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? But, and I, you I appreciate that. Like, China put you in your place. <laughs> I believe that is what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, like something about, I don't know, like I, I should think about that more and try to like figure out what, cause, cause as you're talking about that, I'm starting to have this sense of like, ah, like there's a certain amount of like ownership you're taking in your body and in your womanhood, womanness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Just by yeah, it's it's really cool. It's, well, it's, I think it is. It's one of those things um, that I don't even. I mean, I I feel like I kind of knew it intellectually, but and sometimes it sounds kind of rote. But it's like we're so used to seeing women's bodies clothed, unclothed, half clothed, 
you know, all the things like available for consumption, on show to look at, exploited, blah, 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 blah. And for a performer to choose nudity can be really gimmicky and it can be really lame. But it can mm-hmm. also it can also be super a like powerful because what we don't often see is like a woman a woman's like embodied body naked naked and with a mic and in charge of the stage and in a like you know closed room like with a um with an audience and a microphone and being in charge of the show while also naked and I feel like it sort of makes you know a woman's body and particularly like the sexual part of her body not just this like abstract paradise that you're allowed access to or not and it's more like no it's just like it's a part of like a living breathing talking thinking body which is a little like whatever nerdy and heady but I think that's I think that's sort of what happens in the room. And then also, you know, um, I like to think I'm a pretty sexual person, but there's nothing erotic about that outfit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I never would have done the show naked, and I was always really clear I would wear shoes, like really stupid-looking shoes, Um, partly because I feel tougher when I'm in shoes than if I'm barefoot. Um, and also, I just think it's like a hilarious, stupid outfit, and I'm pretty like <laughs> clowny and jangly in my physicality. So it's sort of confusing. Like, well, that's not that's not the pussy I know. Hang on, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so I think there's a lot going on for people in the room because I think there's a lot of newer, different signals that are sent or something. Yeah, and but and then all of that said. By the end of the show, I was just okay. Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't. It, it was. Right. An, an, yeah, it, I, it was a big deal to me, and then it just wasn't a deal anymore. Yeah, and I really love that because another question I get asked a lot is, you know, from people um, maybe less heritable about what the show is, um, especially when they've never seen it. Um, they always are like, you know, what makes you think? if you're naked, anyone's going to pay attention to what you say. And it's just like, um, well, a, because I give like audiences and humanity in general, a little more fucking credit than that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, ultimately there's a really good chance. (laughs) This is so nerdy that a brain is more interesting than a pussy after a little while. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I'm pretty aware that that's the first thing getting people's attention when I walk in the room is that I'm naked from the waist down and ankles up. And then I was fully aware, like, and then my challenge as a writer and a comic is to make sure that my material steps out in front of my pussy. (laughs) And (laughs) And then once everybody gets a little like, hey, there it is, okay, that suddenly they're actually just listening to the comedy show. And it might pop up and, you know, sort of they'll have reminders. But that's my favorite thing and something that I kind of did always think, which is that eventually it's just going to become sort of banal. (laughs) You know, hopefully it will then, you know, in some ways uh, resuscitate all of its mystery (laughs) later after the show. Right. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. 
it's kind of totally de-eroticized in the in the hour that I'm doing stand-up, which I think is a kind of cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm like getting a lot more like levels of what was happening for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should have a sit down with each member of the audience to help them like work yeah. through. Thank you for coming. I want to explain to you what was happening for you. <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh, man. Okay, well, we should wrap this thing up. I am super happy that I got to talk to you. Um, We talked about the dates. I'll also put them up on my website where this podcast is posted at MikeyPod.com. So if you're listening and you don't have a pen and want to write this stuff down, you can just go to my website. Or you can also go to Adrian's website, which is AdrianTrescott.com, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, Great. Any other, like, should we follow you on Twitter? Any of those things you want to tell us about, too? Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't do, uh, uh, Instagram's my favorite and Facebook. I do, I have more fun on those than Twitter sometimes, but, um, yeah, I'm doing all kinds of shows and, and, um, I'm super psyched to be doing this show at the pit. And I'm also super psyched that after this show, um, at the pit and maybe at Joe's pub, I'm going to be doing the next show I made after this, which, um, also been really fun to me to not only do the rape comedy. Uh, and I read the name of that show a few minutes ago and have forgotten the name of it. What's it called again? Um, it's called Adrian Truscott's A One-Trick Pony or Andy Kaufman is a feminist performance artist and I'm a comedian. What um, nerdy academic dork I <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye out for this stuff. I'm so excited we got to talk. Me too, Michael. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks okay. again. Awesome. Bye. Bye. There's a sound of voices singing as I lay awake.
From her latest album, Queen Victoria, that was Joy Askew, my good friend. Hi, Joy. Uh, I do love that song. It's called I'm Still Looking for a Home. You should check out this album. It's so fantastic. It's really gorgeous. Uh, So gorgeous. Uh, The interview. I hope the noise wasn't too bad. I did the best I could with it. As I was just editing it, I realized it was a little worse than I remembered. But that was such a great talk. Uh, yes. So thanks for listening. Thank you, people of the world who listen to this podcast. Uh, thank you to my patrons, Michael Heron. Uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Uh, look for my, uh, there's new stuff. I'm making videos. Check that stuff out. You can always find me at, uh, michaelheron.com. And you know, if you want, you can also just follow my account on Patreon. Uh, there, certain posts are only available to people who are like subscribed, uh, but I'm posting a lot of stuff there too. And I think that's it. Thanks for always being here and listening to this thing. And I'll see you next week. Bye.